hello and welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music. Thank you very much for joining and I hope you're doing well out there, whatever it is you're up to. You might hear a few gurgles in the background. That's because right now I'm recording this while carrying Ella, my daughter, on the front of me. She's doing well. She's doing great. And occasionally she likes to talk. Uh, She's actually kind of quiet now. So uh, bonus could probably put her down in the bed or something instead of carrying her. But it's a nice cuddle nonetheless. Thank you for joining, as I said, and this week we're going to do the final part of the two-hour sort of conversation that Chris and Beinhardt and myself had a little while back before the whole coronavirus lockdown came in. We rounded off this week with a quick talk about country music and a talk about a regular topic on this podcast, which is Limp Bizkit. This is the final part of the Chris Weinhardt series for now. We'll go back and talk to him another time, but thank you very much, Chris, for giving your time and energy to do this podcast. In the coming weeks, we're going to get back to the usual format of talking to musicians out there. And next up is Alex Spencer. So stay tuned for that. She's a fantastic musician. Got a great bunch of releases out there. Fantastic personality. I had a great time talking with her before, again, the whole lockdown restrictions came into play at her apartment not too far away from me in Berlin. Wonderful, wonderful place. Really magical looking home. Really hickledy-pickledy, but I mean that in a good way. Like, it was just full of character. It's like a living museum, really. And uh, absolutely fantastic place and lovely family. And we had a really lovely conversation. And so that will be next on BPM Pod. And after that, we've got some more musicians from around Sweden and around Germany primarily for now. And we'll try to do a lot of these remotely and see how we go. So here is part four of the podcast with Chris Feinhardt. And uh, yeah, it gets weird, <laughs> but enjoy. Like it was all about the album and like the journey you go through on it. And I still love an album that is very well constructed with dynamics in it. It's almost like a gig, but on something physical. Like, I think that's great. But you wanted to ask this question, actually. Like, are albums still relevant? And I guess that's semi-leading from your half, and you don't think they are. I, I don't think so. But I would, I would love them to be more of a thing again. Because I'm, I'm, my our generation, I think is the last one that grew up with albums. Yeah, I, I think I, if you're born after the '90s, you don't really get it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I don't want it to be this kind of a lost art form. Hmm. But the trend nowadays is to release singles. And it's not something that just unknown bands do or like smaller bands or, or singers or whatever. But even the great ones, think Tame Impala, we've spoken yeah, about yeah. them uh, before. They're like massive, super huge. Uh, Kevin Smith, I think is, is his name. Like he promotes his new album that is going to drop i think next month or something in the two months april mm. 2020 mm. he promoted this stuff his new album with four singles and then as an kind of as an afterthought the album is dropped and i don't know if i if i like that because i remember every time when a single dropped i would listen to it so much that when the actual album 
came out, I would skip that song. Mm, and mm. I don't like that because, because I, I enjoy the, the, the listening experience. 40 minutes, 50 minutes, just focusing on a piece of art. Mm. And I wish it would come back, but I get that people's attention spans are getting shorter. And of course, it's especially for people who have work day and everything, it's not that easy to cram in 60 minutes. No. Just sitting down with your headphones or whatever. I don't know if I agree, though. Like, I mean, I agree with your sentiment, but I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if I agree that it's not easy to fit the time in because people still spend 60 minutes scrolling through Instagram or something. That's a good point. So, yeah. I don't know. I think there are a lot of bands out there that are still making the album a decent art form. But mainly the only area I know is in stoner rock, mm. where you can't really release a single because each song is sort of 10 minutes long. Um, King Buffalo is a band I really like. They sort of are really invested in the whole album format, where one album is five songs. They're all ridiculously long, um, but I kind of like it. It's amazing, though. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'd say one of the bands we had on the podcast, Heavy Heavy, are doing a similar sort of thing. It's just, you know, album-based rock. But no, I think it is dying out. And I do think if you're born in the sort of 2000s and after, I don't really think you necessarily even understand what an album is. I mean, you do, obviously, because you can just research it. But I don't think you grew up with it, necessarily. Mm. And I think that's sad. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of, uh, of um, like YouTube channels, educational YouTube channels about music industry, how it works, how to, how to promote yourself. And everything, and there, there, the sentiment is really just one single every two months. So you have eight weeks of promoting a single. The single drops, and in this time, you 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 put out a lyric video for the same song, a lyric video, mm. an actual music video, and maybe mm. a live version. So mm. three videos just to keep up the streams and to keep up the clicks and likes, and the next single drops. So the whole cycle begins. Again and again mm, and again again, mm. and then the album drops with all the songs that has that have already been released. What do you think? Does that does that take right away from the album? If you know everything, would you listen to that album if you had every song fed to you as a single before? Do the amount of singles being released before all in one go ruin an album? Hmm. Yes, I would say so. But, I mean, I don't know. Probably for most people they don't. But for me, it does. Just purely because, kind of what you said earlier, I would have heard each of those individual songs so often that by the point I get to them as a collective, mm. I'm just kind of sick of them a little bit. I don't know, I like an album, that you find an album track that's actually good and becomes the sort of breakthrough song or sort of one of the hidden gems like kind of you know I like listening to I know old Led Zepp stuff or whatever and um, finding a song on there that wasn't released as a single or listening to classic rock stuff and being like oh actually my favourite track on the album is that which isn't the single so I don't know I do kind of think it ruins it a little bit releasing all of these singles but then I totally understand why people do it I mean it's a good revenue stream it keeps your sort of fan base interested on a consistent level it's um, far cheaper to just keep doing sort of single sessions and release them than it is to say dedicate weeks, months, or even years to mm. recording an album. So I totally understand why people do it. But for me, it um, yeah, it doesn't exactly um, 
thrill me, I guess, and I am far less likely to buy the album if I've already heard all of the singles. But I think I'm in a minority saying that. I remember I used to... I used to study for a little while in Dresden, Germany, like maybe half a year, half a semester. Mm. Oh, no, wait a minute. Half a year is a semester, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. That shows how much I studied there. Yeah. <laughs> and during that time, two albums came out where I actually ditched university just to be the first in line to get those albums mm, like mm. this really 70s 80s vibe of mm. fuck school let's just get yeah, the album yeah. and i remember those were cradle of filth darkly darkly venus aversa and my chemical romances uh danger days and i have s those are such fond memories yeah i just Ditching uni and just, I don't give a shit. Let me just buy that fucking album at Media Markt or whatever, Saturn, I don't know. And getting a drink 10, the mor uh, 10 p.m. in the morning, mm. listen, listening to that album, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. Those were great times because you, you couldn't listen to... to to the to the album on Spotify during your lesson or I don't know mm. you had to buy the fucking CD mm. I remember that very fondly but do you, do you think it kills an album then to have all of this out in advance because for me it's kind of like it's like if I released 20 trailers for a film mm. I'm like well now I've seen the whole film like, I don't need to go and see the film which actually also is a trend that isn't relevant for this podcast, but trailers that reveal way too much. And I'm like, well, I've seen the film now. Should make a second podcast. That's kind of, yeah, about film. But I probably have more to say. That's um, that's kind of how I feel about albums sometimes. I think it comes down to if you actively pursue listening to the singles yeah. beforehand. Because I remember coming back to that album, Cradle of Filth, Darkly Darkly, they I think they released the first single on Spotify, uh, YouTube back then. And I didn't listen to it for months. Mm. And I just was, I felt like a fucking heroin addict. Yeah. Oh my God, I want to get that fixed because I love that band so much. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I stayed away from it. And eventually it was a good choice. Mm hmm. Mm. Because then on the actual album, I could enjoy it because it was brand new to me. Mm. I, I hadn't listened to it for, 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 for months and months and weeks mm. and weeks. Because the, the problem is, if that single's really good and you enjoy it, you won't listen to it just no. one time. No, or exactly. maybe two times. No, no. no, go straight to the playlist you're listening to every day. Yeah. So the, like the surprise moment in the album where that song would actually come up for the first time for you, that's ruined. Mm. But do you buy albums nowadays? Like Yes, you know, I do. Really? Yes. Because uh, I do too, but I mean, it's not... Yeah. I, again, I think we're in the minority, but do you, yeah. do you buy albums without knowing what's on them? One of the greatest albums for me personally I bought in the last years was, and I know that's a super like trendy band right now, was 21 Pilots Trench album. Okay. Holy fuck, is that a great album. And did you know any of the songs on it before you I bought didn't. it? Wow. I didn't. Okay. I just, I listened to, because everybody knows Stressed Out by now, that's a yep. great song yeah, yeah. from the Blurry Face album. And I heard that the Trench album was going to go in the more, like, 
uh, really hip hop direction again, because their old stuff was like super funky from time to time, mm-hmm. and and I, I did I was because I saw it at, at Media Mark for like fifteen bucks in a special edition with I don't know, and okay let's just buy it let's yeah. yeah yeah let's take the risk fifteen euros that won't kill me of course of course it's a lot of money but hmm, supporting the artist wherever I can mm-hmm. not then. They yeah, yeah. need my money. But yeah, bought it. First uh, first uh, playthrough or lis- listening through wasn't that great. Yeah. And it took me, I think, two to three more runs. And I absolutely love that album. Mm. Because that's a fucking pop album. But it's actually a concept album with a backstory and everything. They and I love that shit. I love mm. me, I love me some lore around yeah, yeah. yeah. intellectual property. Yeah. The the lyrics, they do have the story in there. If you if you carefully look through the like the the booklet, there are some additional hints regarding mm. the story. Mm. They actually, they I think they got an award. I don't know what it was, like some kind of music award, and they dropped hints towards the album to towards the actual story. The oh, website wow. had hidden messages in there, and I love that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty cool. That was an album I bought just because, for the sake of it, and. Man, do I love it. There's some yeah. great tracks on there. I mean, there's a couple I bought just out of, yeah, you know, not necessarily listening to them, but knowing, okay, well, they've got this sort of vibe, this sort of feel, like I'll just take a risk. But there's very few I just buy outright. Uh, but that's not because I don't want to. It's just because of a cost issue, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you. Like, I buy a lot of stuff on vinyl, and it's kind of like, oh, do I want to spend 20, 25 euros on a piece of plastic that I've never <laughs> listened to anything off of? It kind of just seems like a lot of money. Uh, the one album I did do that with was a band we mentioned earlier, actually, called King Buffalo, who I really like, Stoner Rock album. And that I just bought outright, because I'd heard that they were similar, they'd been recommended to me by a couple of people, and I was like, do you know what? It, it's worth a go. Like I think it's created, yeah, the albums are pressed, the vinyls are pressed here in Germany. So it was, yeah, similar sort of story, 15 euro or something. I was like, are they a German band? No, they're not. They're American. But um, but they seem to have some sort of pressing here or something because their vinyls are definitely cheaper here than anywhere else. Um, So I bought it for, yeah, like you say, like a 15 euro sort of go. And I fucking love that album. Longing to be the mountain. It's great. Loved it. Like, really, really loved it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a cost issue. I don't know what it is. But, um, yeah, I tend to stay away. Even though I just said a minute ago that I hate listening to singles before I buy an album, I tend to stay away from just plunging into an album mm. as well. But um, I don't know. With a select few people I do, but they've normally got a reputation or something. Right, yeah. So, so no, I don't think albums are completely dead. But I do think they are um, dying, unfortunately, which yeah. makes me really fucking sad. Like, especially if we go into the concept album, which is something we briefly just touched upon then when you say that you like this lore behind it, the story behind it. Like, I fear that will eventually be killed. I'm trying to keep it alive because every one of every single one of my releases, doesn't matter which band, has ties connected to yeah, you have these like Easter eggs like, yeah, to other things. Right. So like the lighting on your last one was the same pink right. light from the one before, which I noticed and told you. I was like, you're like, I noticed that the same thing. Yeah. Like in the window, there's a pink light that was the same lighting as the one before. Right. 
But I like that sort of stuff. And I do put a certain melody phrase in each and every release. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a single red thread around my releases. Okay. And Go I hope on. someday I'll be famous enough that somebody will, someone will find it. And I'm going to give that person my everlasting love. <laughs> I don't know. And Do maybe they want dinner. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that's not what I want. But So you're not going to tell us what it is? Well, no, of, no. Of course I can. It's, it's no, like no, no, a no. F- five-note sequence. But and still, that's cool. I love that kind of shit. We're talking about concept albums, but then, in the meantime, talking about concept albums, you showed me this clip of, well, they called it the Flying Buffaloes, is that right? Flying Buffaloes. And you were describing how a friend of yours went to the US and now lives this kind of American stereotype life of cowboy hats and music festivals and drinking and In Nashville, Tennessee. And then you said, I actually have a soft spot for country music. And now we are about to bond like we have not bonded before. All right. I love country music. Yes. Like, not, not so much like Dolly Parton kind of country music, that mm. kind of thing. I don't really like <clears throat> that. But what became sort of alternative country. So, right. like, this soft rock, kind of what we were just listening to, really, kind of thing. Like, what spurred you to say that? Is there, like, anyone you really remember or any songs you remember? Not, not at all. I, because what I just said to you was this whole country thing, it doesn't exist in Europe the way it does in America. Because that's like super exclusively their culture. And they describe their own culture as a melting pot, right? Or a salad bowl or whatever. Yeah. So seeing this stuff, that, to me, that, that's just like an, a, another world. They, they, I don't know if it's just a facade, but they look so happy doing their thing. And this kind of music, I, I know there are a lot of country clubs and like country rock clubs everywhere around Europe. But... It's just it's just a facsimile, right? It's just yeah. an imitation of the of the real yeah. deal. Yeah. And I I don't know. I even I I, I don't know if I if I enjoy I enjoy it ironically, but they're like those super um, USA USA country rock anthems. Yeah. I yeah. think one is called a little on the redneck side. Dude, I gotta show you the, the video. It's so, it's so stupid. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. And they know they have their like federal flag and everything, riding monster trucks and quads of through, through mud. Oh, Every oh girl is like wearing fest. cowboy boots and yeah. and, and, and uh, hot pants, jeans, hot pants. And it is mud fest. Wow, and okay, they, dude, it's, and it's so it's a that's something I want to experience firsthand. But yeah, that's, but that's so that's so foreign to me. And I want to be part of it. But so no, but bad. I kind of I I sympathize completely. I feel like a lot of <coughs> music, especially in America, focuses on West Coast rock or hmm. something like that. Probably West Coast rock is probably the biggest, like California rock from the seventies onwards, because it inspired so many sort of tastes in music and types of music. But yeah, I kind of do feel like country. I guess is their other big export, or like huge export. But yeah, there's this whole kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say friendly redneck. That's not really what I mean, but you know what I mean? It's not its not harmful or anything. It's kind of just, 
yeah, we've got cars that are stupid and we listen to this music that's proud about America. Yeah. But I think there is some sort of irony to it. I hope so. Either that or they're all Trump photos. Like, I don't know. But I hope there is some sort of irony to it. It's just like their their own little bubble. Yeah. That I don't want to see burst by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I give it to them. The cool thing is that most of those guys are super talented instrumentalists or singers or whatever. Mm. I mean, of course, there's going to be coming back to autotune and everything, like the whole production fuckery. Of course. But most of those guys, especially guitar players, holy fuck, the whole chicken picking thing. Have you heard mm. of that? Mm. Jesus Christ, I can't do that shit. No, I can't do it. No, I really think to some degree, I mean, yeah, what we were just looking at, the Flying Buffaloes kind of goes into like alternative country. It's a bit more sort of rock based than, mm-hmm. than country based. But but um, yeah, I kind of feel like that's a genre that people really shit on and they shouldn't. Like a lot of my favorite artists at the minute are Jason Isbell, I love. The Drive-By Truckers, I love. Doors, I really like. I'd even say someone like Ryan Adams, who's now, we talked about him earlier, actually, off-air, now disgraced, but still. I'd still say that really is country, to some degree. Right. I wouldn't say it's rock. I equally wouldn't say it's country. It's this, yeah, alternative country, I guess. Um, But it's got country roots to it, 100%. And I kind of think people still think that country is... Dolly Parton, Glenn Campbell, people like this who are sort of mm. this corny, cheesy, very American-focused stuff. But, no, I'm really glad you said that, actually. What I find interesting that I, I would consider myself like a musician who's very open to different genres mm. and like to embrace them. And I did the Spaghetti Western song yeah, on the first, yeah, yeah. which was like a parody in itself. But I would never be able to write a song like this, that feels authentic. Mm. And that's so that's so weird because it's not that hard. Mm. Of course, the technical aspect, like I just said, if there's like some stupid, super uh, chicken picking stuff, okay. But even if it's it's just, I mean, they use the same chord progressions like we do. Yeah. It, yeah. Most of the time it's C major, F major, G major, C major, and that's yeah. basic one, five, yeah. uh, one, four, five cadence. Yeah. But the way they arrange it, the sounds, then the, the the way they speak and sing, this nasal tone, I could never yeah. emulate yeah. that. It's so cool. Yeah. No, there's something very cool about it. I kind of feel the same about Southern rock, generally, right. like blues rock and especially stuff that comes from like Alabama or Muscle Shoals. Would, that, would that be Sweet Home Alabama? Like the song? Is that- well, yeah, but Skinner generally I really, really love. Um, but that sort of style, yeah, of rock, this which I do think has country elements to it. Like, it's kind of fast-picked stuff mm-hmm. with clean riffs, and it's all about the homeland, and, you know. But I like that. And I've always said that to people, that if I did go on a musical tour of the US, I'd probably do the Southlands, actually, right. rather than the West Coast. I think it's far more interesting. I mean, you could go to New Orleans, you could go to anywhere in Alabama, you can go to where blues literally comes from, and stuff like well, crossroads, okay. bro. Well, I mean, it's not literally where it comes from there because it comes from Afro-American immigrants originally, but still, <laughs> like, that's where it became really sort of popular, and that's what it's associated with. So, um, no, I think there's something to be said for this very heartland, pro-American kind of music. I right. kind of think it's yeah. cool, but it's cute in a way. <laughs> or they're all Trump voters, in which case, fuck you all. But that's besides the point. But all right, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. Oh. 
We were talking about Limp Bizkit earlier. I quickly mentioned how I think that rolling, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Mainly, maybe it's because of like WWF memories at the time. I don't know. That's wrestling, by the way, not worldwide fun. Yeah, that's how old we are. They're WWE now, but um, the Undertaker used to use that song. But I also remember that the video was filmed on top of the World Trade Center, and it just looked really, really cool. And they're just them playing on top of the World Trade Center. And then I got talking about Limp Biscuit, and you've actually met Fred Durst. Yes, I did. And I thought you were completely bullshitting <laughs> for a minute, but you've actually met him. Yes, we did. Um, last summer, 2019, we've got to meet Fred um, after two Germany shows in, I don't know, Dusseldorf, and the other one I can't remember. And I, I, I'm not that huge of a little biscuit fan I, 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 no I'm not but I still know them like, yeah right cool. it's, it, by reputation yeah. so that's of course I know rolling and break stuff and but my way it's never been my drummer actually started to play drums because of Limbiscuit wow so that's how much an impact they had so on him so he was a proper fanboy yes and, and, and he was with us when yeah. we got to meet him so the cool thing was we um, after the concert was finished we just we had to wait like the security guy was like okay just stay put because this wasn't some kind of VIP packaging no, whatever it no. wasn't a paid thing uh, we had contacts and then we got in and everything uh, guest list and the whole deal right so 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 Fred's main guy came came down to us we, we had to wait like in the not a backstage area but like, where they where, where they could get something to eat yeah and his and his main roadie dude like he has had for 15 odd years he came down to us and was like, okay, you can come with us. We were like five people, I think. You can come with us and you're going to meet Fred. Mm. But he he's eating right now, so please don't bother him too much. <laughs> and um, I like that. I like Monday detail. Yeah, he's eating. Yeah, so please just leave Dude, he was eating rice out of a plastic bag. Oh, wow. <laughs> and drinking red wine. And But don't take anything with you, please, from, from the backstage area. Mm. Like uh, it was like like um, the room where 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 the stars could like put makeup on and everything yeah. mirrors yeah. everywhere and yeah. I suppose there had been cases where people who have been there Just took st- yeah. sunglasses, spirals, whatever. It's kind stuff. of sad. It's yeah. super sad. I, I'm I I. I, I I'm thankful for the guy that he, he was super cool, right? Please don't take anything. Just enjoy your moment with him, and it, and it was super cool. And I thought that it was great for us. Of yeah. course, I wouldn't steal shit from his. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would even get to the door until someone tackled me and ripped that sunglasses off. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Called dead hands again. Yeah. Uh, to reference the IRA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and then we we went backstage, and truth be told. I didn't even recognize him at first. There was like this dude is tiny. Yeah, he's not very big. And I didn't know that because when you're in the in the audience and you see that guy on stage, it doesn't matter how tall he is, he looks fucking huge. But he has a Massive. beard as well now. I he did he did not at that no, no, moment. No, no, no. Let me check that Instagram. So yeah, and there was someone someone sitting there and he stood up and he came towards us and 
we shook hands with him. And at that moment where I shook hands, oh my God, this is Fred Durst. I'm just literally bro checking right now with like shoulder check and everything. This is Fred fucking Durst. Yeah. And he was super nice. He was the nicest guy on earth, right? Uh, He he thanked us for being there. And of course, we we were like... uh, Great show, man, and uh, thanks so much for having us and everything. So, yeah. not not like the whole fanboy thing, and even my drummer, who's like I said, big. Fan, he wasn't like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah. because he's more of the quiet sort. Mm, mm. And then we just Fred continued eating his rice out of a plastic bag, <laughs> and we just sat there, and we we asked him a couple of questions, and it was super relaxed. Like the, his, his 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 crew guy who, who who ordered us in, right? He came he came back to us once more. And said, Would you like anything to drink? Yeah. And so he went out and got us cold drinks and everything. So really super and just just relaxed atmosphere. Because yeah, you talked about synths, right? Right, and that was the concert on the next day, um, in Düsseldorf, I think. And where's that picture? There it is. There's Fred. You are not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that is Fred Durst. And I can see him in a picture with you. There's my drummer. It's Benny. This is this is Fred's son. Wow. Yeah, Fred's son. I think he was 15, okay, 16. I'm going to screen grab this when I put this episode up because you will see it straight away, actually. Kind of like you really can. When you look at their face shape and stuff, you're like, yeah, I get that. The cool thing is, okay, so let's just talk about everything right here. So I'm over there. There's Fred. There's his son. And to the left, there's my drummer. The other three guys next to my drummer and to me, those are the best friends as well as brother and cousins of my drummer. And they used to go every year to a Limbiscuit concert. And because of our contact that arranged this meeting for us. He heard that my drummer was like this huge Limbiscuit fan. This yeah. Fred Durst wasn't here. He was like, I'm going to realize that you and your best friends who have always been to the concerts can meet him in person. Aww. So this was more like a family thing actually mm. happening mm. over there. And and Fred was, I, well, he was actually quite interested in the whole thing. Like he, when we, when when they told him that they're a family and they they've been to multiple concerts mm. over years and years, and he was actually, I think, pleasantly surprised. Mm. So that was yeah, that was pretty cool. And the next day, I met him alone again because those other uh, other guys they had to work the next day. It was middle of the week, I don't know. And I met him again backstage. And he actually recognized me. We mm. stood in a circle with other people, like the crew, and yeah. I think even uh, John Otto, the drummer. Mm-hmm. And Fred was just talking, and suddenly he, his his gaze, um, yeah. like met mine. Yeah. And you could see like the little gears in his head, and he was like, "Oh yeah," and just. Yeah. cheered to me yeah. like he had his drink and, and yeah, yeah. yeah no posts or anything right yeah. and then uh, I had my, my my last album with me and we gave it to his tour guy from the from the day before yeah and Fred just came by again and, and took the CD in his hand and just pulled it out and oh man cool what's 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 it like what what kind of music is it and he and he checked out the, the actual disc because it has this whole vinyl thing going on and so and then we started 
to talk about the synthesizers I used on that album for, mm. I don't know, five minutes. And he was super interested and really nice. And people always paint him like a jerk yeah. because I think that's his onstage persona. Mm. Like the big mouth, tough guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. give a shit. But actually, he just he just wanted to relax after the show. He took very good care of his crew members, right? Because there was a like a huge buffet, mm. and some people who were backstage weren't part of his crew. Uh, were going to to take something to eat. Yeah. And he, Fred himself went there and dude, you're not part of the band. Get away from my buffet. You're yeah. Not part of the crew. Yeah, piss yeah. off yeah this is for the people who worked here tonight and that's a cool fucking work ethic yeah. you want a boss like that yeah i don't know if he's been weird in the past or if he's still weird of course he's super I mean, strange. he is a bit strange like definitely so there's no denying fred does his little strange but right we talked about this previously i kind of think fred durst to some degree is like a master comedian yeah or i think in a lot of ways, he's just trolling everybody. And they think that this stage persona, this angry white guy, is actually who he is. And I don't think he's like that at all. Like, I mean, even produces films and directs films and stuff. Like, he's clearly creative in some yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, Limp Biscuits lyrics are crap. I'm sorry, they're, they're terrible. They're really awful. <laughs> I wouldn't even say their music is particularly good. But there's just something that gels with me and I kind of enjoy it somehow. And I don't know if it's just because this is angry white guy. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that I think is good. And there is something about him that I realizes that I think he realizes this is all kind of a parody. Like he's an artist. Yeah. Like, like, and like you're saying, now you've met him and he's very chill and stuff. It's kind of like, well, there is clearly a difference between the performance and the person. Like, and of course he isn't, like 25 anymore no no that's true as well yeah so he brought his fucking son who's like oh, I, I don't know 16 15. Yeah, yeah so he yeah. has there has to be an age difference yeah, by now so but yeah super positive experience mm. very cool very unique experience yeah, totally And that's it for this week's edition of BPM Pod. Thank you very much for joining. I hope that we'll speak again soon. If you do want to get in touch with the podcast, you can do so by going at BPM Pod on Instagram or Facebook, or go to bpmpod.com where you can listen to all of the episodes so far, uh, read some musical reviews, and look at lots of other stuff on there. And I've sort of written about music and cool new music that's out, cool gear that I like, cool bands that I like, and uh, other things like that. Until next time, stay safe, everybody. Look after each other and stay lucky. And uh, have a great day, whatever it is you're doing. And I'll speak to you soon.